called The Fine Print, and we've been talking about discipleship, um, and uh, we're going to continue in that today. So if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and start turning to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going now. How many of you... Um, how many of you think a 75-year-old woman probably can't do a whole lot of damage? <laughs> so some of y'all are like, I ain't going there. I've seen a few. I've seen a few, right? Uh, so how much damage do you think a 75-year-old woman can do, right? Um, well, there is a lady that I want to introduce you to. Her name is Hyaston Shakiran, and... She, uh, in 2011, she was 75 years old in 2011, not sure if she's still alive, but in 2011, she went out with uh, her spade, and she went out to a hillside, and she was scavenging for firewood, she was uh, scavenging for uh, copper, and um, while she was digging into a hill, she came across this buried cable, and um, she dug right through it, and not knowing that she just cut off the entire internet to uh, the country of Georgia, the entire, not state of Georgia, the country of Georgia. Uh, also, their neighboring country, about 90% of uh, Armenia, uh, and some of Azerbaijan. Uh, so <laughs> if you don't think a 75-year-old woman with a spade can do much damage, just think about her. Uh, they did come and find her, and they arrested her, uh, put her in jail, and they, they got to talking to her and realized she was like, I don't even know what the Internet is. What is the Internet? Why don't, she didn't have a clue what she had done, and she had knocked off the Internet to basically three countries. And um, so that's how much damage a 75, little 75-year-old woman can do with a shovel, right? That's all she needs is uh, just a shovel. Uh, seemingly small acts can have huge consequences, right? Ha how many of you ever seen that? So, you know, just small mistakes, small acts either can, uh, can have negative consequences or can have positive consequences. And so I want us to talk a little bit about that today and uh, just how seemingly small acts or things that seem insignificant can have great significance. Uh, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 28. So we've been talking about this idea of discipleship and what is a disciple. And we've kind of hit this for the last uh, two to three weeks, what a disciple is. Um, and let's go to this, this chapter here, Matthew chapter 28, ending out Matthew's gospel here. And Jesus says this, uh, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and uh, make uh, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, Therefore go and make Christians, right? Did he say that? He didn't even say make Christians. <laughs> and we would all say, where were Christians, right? That's usually what you get asked. Are you a Christian? Nobody ever asks you, are you a disciple? Because uh, that's really what Jesus said. He said, hey, go make disciples. He said, uh, you know, because I think it's, it's really easy for us to fly the flag of Christian, whether we are one or not. And you talk to people, especially in the South, everyone is a Christian that you talk to, whether they live it or not. Uh, everybody seems to be a Christian, right? But then you ask them, are you a disciple? And the disciple looks uh, like uh, something a little bit more. It's, 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 it's not just surface. And we've 
this whole thing has been entitled uh, The Fine Print, Following Jesus into the details and that's what a disciple is a disciple is one who is willing to follow jesus into the details willing to have jesus meet them at salvation and then carry them into what that looks like living a lifestyle into the details of one's life and so um, we see and we've talked the last probably two three weeks that there are some characteristics of a disciple and what is a disciple and we've said a disciple is one who studies the words of jesus uh, that uh, uh, the disciples would study the words of the rabbi. So as, as a disciple of Christ, we study the words of Jesus. As a disciple, we imitate the ways of Jesus. Remember the first week we talked about being a copycat, uh, that we want to copy Jesus. We want to uh, copy what Jesus has modeled. And, and Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We copy those who are following Jesus. And so we study the words of Jesus, we imitate the ways of Jesus, and we also partner in the mission of Jesus, and um, that we not only become disciples, then we go out, and what the Bible says here, what Jesus says here, says, therefore, make disciples of all nations, and so that's partnering and sharing in that mission of Jesus to not only become disciples ourselves, but to invite and lead other people to become disciples with us, and so Jesus modeled this for us, um, and I want you to think about that. I want you to think about just sometimes the things that are insignificant. We talked about this lady, uh, Hyaston, who basically just uh, she did something that seemed insignificant that had a great consequence. Um, and every person that has ever impacted this world has had someone who impacted them greatly. So if you think about all the people who have made a difference in this world, if you can think about the great leaders of the world, there was someone who made a great difference in their life. There was someone who made a great impact on their life. There was someone of significance in their life. Whether you know them or not, if this person became great somehow in our world, there's somebody who helped promote them or push them or, or get them through or encourage them or help pave the way for them to get to where they're going. And so for us, that's what we kind of have to understand, that uh, for discipleship, discipleship looks that way. Uh, many people of great significance are first birthed into great ins insignificance. Think about Jesus. Jesus was born. We, we know Jesus, but Jesus did not get born into the palace. He was not born in Jerusalem. He was not born, uh, you know, into this wealthy family. He wasn't born into, uh, you know, someone with a lot of political power. He, they had no power, no political power. They, they had very little money, and so uh, it was an insignificant thing that the greatest significance of all came into being, right, This uh, that broke into our world. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the small things that make uh, big differences. And I want you to take your phone. How many of you got your phone with you today? Got you? I know you, maybe somebody said, put your phone away. I'm telling you to take it out right now, okay? The pastor said to take your phone out. How many of you guys have a picture on your phone? How many of you guys got a picture on your phone? Got a picture on your phone? Anybody? Hold it up. Show it to me. Can I see it? Some of y'all are like, I can't show you my picture. Then you need to change your picture, right? If it's a picture you can't show, folks, hold it up. Hold it up. So you, I think, Steve, you got a picture of, uh, of my – you put, put that slide up. There you go. Okay, this is it right here. So if you look, this is the picture that is on my phone so you can get a better eye. Uh, glance at that isn't that a beautiful family man just I just love them so much they're just great they're, they're one of my favorite favorite families um, if you look at your phone 
Your phone has a picture on it. That picture is, hopefully it's beautiful like the picture on my, my phone. But this picture on my phone is made up of a bunch of little things called pixels. Now, you really, really can't see all those pixels. A pixel, and what is a pixel? And I'll just give you the definition here. A pixel is this. A pixel is the smallest single component of a digital image. So when you look at that picture on your phone, that picture is made up of thousands and thousands and thousands of little bitty dots that get strung together and um, they create an image. They create a picture. And so when you begin to think about this, you have all these tiny dots that create something beautiful, right? All these tiny dots, when you get them together, this one dot just by itself seems very insignificant, right? One dot by itself doesn't look great. It looks like, well, it's a dot. It Actually, I'm told that they come in red, green, or blue, RGB. Anybody ever heard of RGB? Red, green, or blue, and it, they, they're either on or off, all right? That's a, so pixels on or off. And... Um, and so when you have just one pixel by itself, it's like doesn't look very significant at all, doesn't look very beautiful at all. But when you start putting those pixels together with the other pixels, and the more that you put in there, the better that picture gets, the, the more clear that picture becomes. And, and I want us to, to think about discipleship in that way because discipleship is a lot like that, that we need as pixels, if we're people and, and we are people, if we're like the pixels on the, on the picture and we come together to form this picture that Jesus is painting, we look better when we're together. We look better when we come together in community. And this is what gets modeled in, in, in the Bible, that, that gets modeled this idea of community in groups. And so I want us to go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, uh, actually 2 Timothy, uh, I haven't changed it in my notes, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse Three, and I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm going to read it right here. Second Timothy chapter one, beginning of verse three, and it says, "I thank God, whom I serve, as I did, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night." So this is Paul writing, and he's writing to uh, a young pastor named Timothy, and he's like, "Listen, man, you mean so much to me. Um, I, he's basically, I'm praying for you. I'm encouraging you." I am, I'm wanting to send you out. You know what? I got a chance to pray with one of our students uh, just before he, he took off. Just a few minutes ago, I saw him. He sent me a text earlier uh, this morning just said, man, thank you so much for your encouragement. And I saw him. He was getting ready to head back to college. And I said, let me pray for you. And I just prayed. I said, God bless this young man because you're doing great things with him. And I, I can't wait to see what else you do with him. And, and so we're all needing people to encourage us and send us forth. I had people do that in my life, uh, and this is what Paul is doing here. He said, listen, I, I constantly remember uh, you in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. And see, the beautiful thing about it is this. You may have known Timothy. You might have heard about this guy, Timothy. But maybe you don't know who Lois and um, Eunice are. You don't know them really at all. It's like, well, I kind of heard that, you know. But see, these are the people that helped pave the way for Timothy to become the pastor 
and to become the person that, that he was to lead in the early church. Because there was a faith that dwelt in them, and then they passed it along to this next generation. It's interesting. I, I, I began to look at my own life story, and, and my dad, my dad was, is my hero, and my dad, he passed away in 2013, but he was a pastor for many years. And even before he, I, I knew that I was going to go into the ministry, I looked up to my dad because I thought he could do no wrong. You know, he, he did all this stuff, and I'm thinking, man, my dad is amazing. He's great, you know. And he passed along a faith to me. He passed along uh, his belief and, and just the things that he established himself in. He passed that along to me. But where did that come from for him? It came from his mother, which her name was Eunice, too. I didn't know her. She died when my dad was 14 years old. And at 14 years old, she had a brain aneurysm and passed away. And the only thing that I ever knew of her is what my dad told me. And so he would tell me about my grandmother. He would say, listen, he said, she would love you so much. She, would, she was a woman of faith. She was a woman of prayer. And I could tell the mark that she made on my dad. Even though I had never met her, knowing my dad, I see this mark and this stamp that she left on his life. And so for me, it was, it was almost kind of I'm, I'm reaching back into the past, trying to see the, the small pixels of the picture of my dad's life. This small pixel in his picture is a significant thing even though it may seem very insignificant and, and we get that we get that chance to be somebody's pixel in their picture that we get to be the the small maybe little significance uh, of, of little significance but hopefully as we encourage and as we you know uh, just pray and as we kind of push them along we'll begin to see hey this is something that they need this is helping to create that picture in a more clear and beautiful way and so discipleship looks like relationship. See, maybe you think, when you think of the word discipleship, you know what I always thought of? I always thought of a classroom. Like I need to come sit down, ready to get my pen, get my Bible open, have my notebook ready to go. Deci I'm ready to be discipled. Come on to disciple me, right? I've got my pen. I'm ready to take notes. And discipleship, it can, that can be part of it. I'm not saying that's, uh, that's not it. But what I'm saying is this, even more so, what Jesus invited these guys into that surrounded him and these women into was relationship. And discipleship looks like relationship. It's not a classroom. It is not a book study. It is our lives entangled together, and discipleship can get messy. Amen? Disciple, anybody, you, you, you've seen messy discipleship. How many of you, you're messy yourself? I'm not just talking about your house. I'm talking about sometimes you look and say, my goodness, my, my, I'm just a mess at times, right? And you, you might say you're a mess, but man, how many hot messes do we have in here? I'm a hot mess, you know. At least, at least you're a hot mess, right? So if you're going to be a mess, at least you're a hot mess, right? But see, discipleship, it looks like relationship. And discipleship can be messy. Discipleship happens in relationship. So who you surround yourself with is super important. Who you surround yourself with has of great significance in the picture that is getting painted in your life. See, your relationships are not neutral. Your relationships are not neutral. Either they're helping you grow or they're stunting your growth. Uh, it's not neutral. It's either there are people who are helping sharpen you and shape you and encourage you and send you on, or there are people who are hindering you and they're dulling the blade uh, of, of the edge of your blade, and, and they're, they're stunning your growth, and they're, they're keeping you from becoming who you need to be. 
And so your relationships are not neutral. It's not this static thing. It is something that is either positive or negative influence in your life. And so who we surround ourselves is with great importance. Craig Groeschel, he's a pastor in, uh, in Oklahoma. This is what Craig Groeschel said. He said, it is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. When you surround yourself with people who are just going to bring you down, people who are going to dull the edge of your blade, who are just going to try to hinder you, who are going to try to discourage you, who are going to try to talk you, you know, off this faith thing. Ah, you're crazy, you know, stop believing in that stuff. That's a fairy tale. Those are the things and those are the people who make it difficult to become a disciple. And we retreat back into either being a fan, and then sometimes we retreat from being a fan to not being a follower at all. And, and, and so this idea of discipleship has a huge component of relationship that is tied to it. And it's not just about getting a pen and paper and getting your Bible out and studying it, and that's great. You say, this is all I need. That is not all you need. We need each other. We need everybody's pixel to make the picture look like it's supposed to look. But our, as I already said, discipleship is messy. How many of you guys, you say you're a mess? How many of you, I want to show you a picture. I wanna, how many of you, you're, maybe you're, you said my life looks like this right here. If you said, if I'm painting a picture of my life, that's, that's me right there, Pastor. That is absolutely me. I, I look like a blob of spaghetti just dropped on, you know, the canvas of life, right? It's messy. It is all over the place. It is just like intertwined. It, I don't even know what to do with that. See, but this is where God meets us. This is where Jesus meets us. He meets us in the mess. He meets us at our worst point. And this is where we come. And we're like, well, I'm not good enough. And he's saying, you don't have to be good enough. I just want you to come. I just want you to bring your mess to me. Well, I need to clean this mess up. He said, just bring me your mess. I will clean the mess up. I will take the mess and do something with the mess. Bring me that messy life. Bring me that messy picture. Bring me what you have. It may not be pretty, but bring it to me. And when we bring these things and we bring this messy picture, this messy life to Jesus, and we begin to not just, you know, just, just say we're Christians, but we begin to follow him in the details. That's when he begins to weave a beautiful picture. That's when he begins to take the threads of our life and begin to put them in places and weave them and intertwine them maybe with the lives of other people. And it begins to look a little bit different. And so it begins to look something like this right here. That when you look at a tapestry, when you look at the front of a tapestry, you're looking at something beautiful. It's like, wow, that is great. That is amazing. I love how that looks. And sometimes we don't always see the backside of the picture. Sometimes we don't always see the messiness that it took to get to that point. Sometimes we don't always see that when we talk about discipleship, that discipleship is messy and it's done in relationship. And sometimes we have to bear with one another. Sometimes we have to encourage one another. Sometimes we have to remind one another. Sometimes we have to pick a brother up and say, come on, you may not be able to walk right now, but I'm, I'm going to be with you in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, some, I'm gonna be some, 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 some sturdiness for you because right now you need help. Your life is a mess. But the thing about it is this, we never get kicked out. It's not that God is looking just to kick us out because our life is a mess. He is wanting us to continue to present the mess to him so that he can continue to work on the masterpiece. 
See, we can talk ourselves out, say, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too bad for, for God to do anything with. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. And you know what? I've just, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to stop. And he doesn't want you to stop. He wants you to continue to follow him into the details. And he meets us at salvation in this messy place, and he says, come on and walk with me. Let's take a walk. But Jesus, you don't say, ah, just take a walk. Come on. That's all. I, I, I can't run. I'm not asking you to run right now. I'm just asking you to walk with me. And there's going to be times that maybe you can't walk. I'll carry you. So just, just come on. Just come with me. Just come with me on this journey. And he starts with us in our mess and begins to weave all the threads together to create a beautiful picture on the other side of the tapestry to present us as his workmanship. And that's what I want us to end here on Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, verse 4. This is what it says. It says, but God being rich in mercy. I love that. How many of y'all like money? Come on, don't, don't. Come on, you like it. You like it enough to like keep it in your bank account, right? Right. You ain't trying to get rid of it that fast. I'm, I'm like that too, but I, I am so glad that he is rich in mercy. He said this, he said, he said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, man, our life is a mess. We're dead. We're dead in this mess. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That mess, he meets you at that mess and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches. It's not just, it's not just riches. It's not just like riches you can count. You try to count what's the last number, you know. You ever try to count to the last number? You never get there, right? The immeasurable. That's, that's how, how big it is, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing because you are a mess. You can't, you can't figure it out. You can't work it out. You can't straighten it out. You are a mess. But God meets you in your mess. He says, for by faith you have been saved. Through, through faith, by grace, through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one can boast, no man can boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are his Van Gogh painting. We are his tapestry that he has woven. We are that which he has taken our mess and he has just begun to weave himself into the middle of it. Because Jesus came and got right in the middle of our mess so that we could follow him into the details and begin to look like him on the other side. Isn't that beautiful? That on the other side of this thing, if we keep following, on the other side of this thing, if we keep going, if we keep just trusting, if we keep allowing him to pick us up when we fall down and be in the middle of our mess, he's making a beautiful picture. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He prepared us for this. We are hardwired for community. We are hardwired for relationship, and discipleship happens in relationship. So we need each other. And I'm going to ask these guys to come and see. And I want you to stand with me.
discipleship is messy and, and I look around this room and there are people who I have a relationship with. Some of you guys have just, just got some of you guys have just met this morning. Hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, some of you guys, I've been knowing you for a while. And we've had some deep conversations. We've cried at times. We've probably been cross-eyed with each other a time or two, you know, where we haven't always lined up, haven't always agreed. And that's okay because discipleship is messy. Relationships can be messy, but we're called to walk with one another and be the pixel in the picture. That I am committing myself to help your picture look more beautiful. I am committing myself to help you in the picture that God is crafting and shaping in the tapestry that he is weaving together. I'm committed to that for you in this church. And, 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 and we have to do this in relationship. And so we have groups. And some of you, I don't, I don't know. I haven't found a group that I like. You know what? Maybe it's time for you to start your own group. Well, Pastor, I've been waiting on you to find me a group. Find, find me some friends. You know what? I would love to create relationships for people. I am not that good. And neither is anybody else. All we have the ability to do is try to create an atmosphere where that can happen. And so some of us, you know what? You need to jump into a group. You need to get into a group because you need to be part of that pixel that 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 is being that 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 picture that is being created through the pixels that are coming together. Some of you, you don't need to just join a group. God is putting on your heart to start a group. And I'm going to tell you as a pastor here, I, I I've been praying for workers in the harvest. Guys, staff. We can't do it by ourselves. You say, well, you're paid to do that. Bull. We are here to encourage. We are here to equip what the Word says is the saints for ministry. I'm not paid to do all the ministry. I'm here to encourage all of us to be ministers. And some of us, we've been sitting around the table being fed, being fed, being fed, being fed. And it is time for you to say, all right, it's time. For, I, I'm here to feed somebody else. It's time for me to invite somebody else to the table and help them along in this tapestry that's being created. So what that prayer is, is twofold this morning. What group is God saying, hey, you need to be a part of something? He did not create you to be a Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger is for Hollywood. And that died out a long time ago, all right? I don't see Lone Ranger on TV anymore. He didn't create you for that. He created you for relationship. Some of you, he's created not just to be in a relationship, but you've been walking with him for a while now, and he's calling you to now start discipling other people. Raina, Taylor, they're, they're actually... This coming Wednesday night, they're starting an exploration, just a group, just saying, hey, I, I don't know if I want to host a group or become a, a group leader. You know what? I pray this morning that God lays that on your heart and that you would just go sit in with them on Wednesday night. That ain't you signing up for anything. It's you just sitting in a group having a conversation. Because what we're about around here is discovery. What, what does God want you to discover about the calling that he's putting in your life? Heads bow. Father, we come to you now. And you're calling us to this life of being a disciple.
disciples study your words, they imitate your ways, and they share the mission. And so, Lord, we're called into relationship, and discipleship is done in relationship. We're called into relationship, and relationships can be messy. Relationships can put us off. Relationships can make us mad sometimes. But, Lord, we are called to relationship because we are called to discipleship. We are called to be disciples in relationship with other people, with the body of Christ. And so, Lord, you're painting a beautiful picture through that. You're connecting us all together. So as you do that, your plan is, is going to come about. And it may not always be pretty at times, and it may not always seem like it, it goes to our plan at times. But, Lord, as we trust you and as we ask you to be right in the middle of this mess, you're going to do something with it. And you're going to make it beautiful. You're going to redeem it. I believe that. You will redeem the mess. You will make something from the chaos. You will call us out of the ashes and give us beauty. Lord, I believe that. That is your word this morning, and that is our prayer today. Lord, make us to be people who are disciples. Not just Christians, but disciples.